American author and teacher Joseph Campbell once said, a hero is someone who has given his or her life to something bigger than oneself. He went on to say, we must let go of the life we have planned so as to accept the one that is waiting for us. My cousin Paul let go of the life he had planned and embraced the one that was waiting for him as a police officer. And as my Aunt Susie said, he loved every minute of it. Okay, when Paul joined the police, he would every single day of his life was the happiest person we had ever seen. He was our family's hero. He was a hero to his friends, co-workers, fellow officers, and more importantly, to the people he went out of his way to help. My Uncle Max looks back on what his son heard in his heart. Paul followed that little voice inside of him. And I think that's what made, that's what directed him to become a police officer. He found that true calling that's inside each one of us. Paul listened to that voice. He knew where it would take him. He knew that if he put in the hard work like he did with everything else, he'd get to that place that made him happy, where he could make a difference. Hi, this is Bill Garrison. And welcome to episode three of That Was Paul, a collection of stories about my cousin Paul Schillow, who left his job in corporate America to protect the communities of Pittsburgh, especially the community and neighborhood he loved the most, Bloomfield, where he grew up and lived just a few blocks away from his parents. Over the previous two episodes of this podcast, we learned about Paul the person, his family life and competitive spirit, his infectious humor, and his burning desire to do something that really mattered. In this episode, you will hear about Paul, the police officer, and how, in just a few years on the force, he made a lasting impression on the people he worked with, and more importantly, on those he went out of his way to help. Our family heard so many of these stories after Paul was killed. People contacted my Aunt Susie and Uncle Max to tell them how Paul treated them with respect or how he cared for their loved one. Some people said Paul changed their life with just a few words or a small gesture. And here's another story, Bill, about the night before he was killed. He was in Bloomfield. Well, I didn't know this story till about a year later. A woman came up that I knew, like I knew her, because she had worked in the bank. So she said, um, Sue, I have to tell you this story about the night before Paul was killed. She said, my daughter was like a little bit of a rebel and she was out and she was, um, I think she was 16 or 17 and she was out and she was drunk and he seen her on Liberty Avenue drunk. He said, and he pulled her, pulled over and was talking to her and he said, where do you live? She said, I got a knock at my door about one o'clock in the morning. She said, and here was Paul with my daughter. And he said, here's your daughter. She's, you know, been drinking too much. And instead of me putting her in jail, I brought her home because she told me where she lived. So that's the way he was. Paul took a little extra special care to protect the people of Bloomfield, the people he loved. And, you know, Bill, where we lived up on Carroll Street, he would ride down there at like one o'clock in the morning if he wasn't anywhere else. He would ride down there, check on all of the houses, all his aunts, all his friends. 
he would he would take care. He'd ride up and down all the alleys, make sure no one was lurching. Him and his partner. I mean, he loved patrolling Bloomfield. And, you know, it took him elsewhere, too. But if he wasn't busy and was around here, he made sure everyone's porch lights were on. Nobody was lurking around anybody's houses. He really protected us. My Aunt Susie tells a story of a woman she saw at the cemetery the day Paul was being laid to rest. The woman was standing in the middle of the road with her young daughter. She was holding up a sign that read, We love you, Paul. My aunt didn't know who the woman was until years later. So one morning where I'm sitting here and a, a knock came to the door and there's this woman with like her teenage child. And she said, Mrs. Shiloh, can I come in and talk to you? I said, yes. She, she came in and she sat down. Now, this is 10 years after Paul was killed. And she said, I had to come here. She said, I took a bus from Penn Hills. She said, I had to come here and tell you this story. She said, I was down at the grocery store and her daughter was little. She said, and I was caught shoplifting, you know. And she says, so the owner of the store called the police. She said, he, I was sitting in the corner and he, she called, he called the police. And he said, she said, Paul was the one who answered the call. She says, so I came over, to, he called me over to him and he had the, the owner there and he said, what did she do? He said, she, she shoplifted and I want her put in jail. So she said, I was shaken because my little one was like in my arms. She said, Paul said, go sit over there. And he, she, he, Paul then talked to the owner. She said, he paid for the stuff that I had shoplifted. He said, she, she, she only had stuff for, for, the, the, baby. for the baby. Yeah. Said, uh, yeah. And so he got the owner and he said, I'll pay for what she took. He paid for what she took. Then he talked the owner the, into not po- prosecuting her, pressing charges. pressing charges against her. And he said, I'll take care of her and she'll never come in your store again. She said, he took me up. He, she lived up in Garfield. She said, he took me and the baby up in the police car to my house. She said, he said to me, here's my number. You ever need anything again for the baby, you come and call me and the baby will have it. She said he gave me money to carry me over, and she said any he said anything you need, you call me. He never had any power over anybody. He was there to help. Paul showed us the power of a small act of kindness. I went to Lot 17 in Bloomfield, a local bar and grill where Paul loved to go and meet his friends and family after work. One day, the owners of the bar called the police to report a burglary. And Officer Keith Miles of the Pittsburgh Bureau of Police showed up. Keith was a veteran police officer who worked out of Zone 5 at the time. My name's Keith Miles. Uh, I've been a police officer for the last 28 years. Uh, I spent six years in Zone 5. Uh, that's where I met Polly. And uh, I'm currently a training instructor at the uh, Pittsburgh Training Academy. Paul and Officer Miles worked different shifts, so they didn't really know each other. But that didn't stop Paul. Paul worked a different shift than me. I don't know if I was working night turn or PM. I'm going to say that he was working night turn, and um, I was working a, a earlier daylight shift. And there was a couple calls down in Bloomfield, down here, and we actually got a burglary report for Lot 17. I came down, I met with whom whoever was working. Um, I guess I was quite a, 
attentive to whatever their needs were at the time. Uh, did a report. They asked me if I knew Polly. I said, I don't really know him. He's, he's a new guy, you know. I don't really associate myself with new guys, you know what I mean? So um, they actually got in contact with Paul. After I took the report, Paul stayed after his shift. And um, I remember he said, hey, are you, are you Keith Miles? I'm like, yeah, yeah. He said, hey, man, I want to thank you for taking that report. And I'm like, what report? He said, lot 17. I'm like, it's not really a big deal. I, I took a report and it's investigation to continue. He says, no, man, you did a really good job. Those are my friends. Those are, those are you know, really good uh, personal friends of mine. And I just want to tell you, man, we appreciate everything you've done. And uh, it kind of struck me that, you know, here's this kid. He's been on the job a hot second. And, you know, he's, he's kind of stepped up, stayed after his shift and introduced himself. And just kind of gave me a pat on the back for, you know, something that I'm paid to do anyway. But everybody wants that to be reaffirmed that you're doing the right thing. So that's how we became friends and we spoke to each other every time after that. This was a routine assignment, and Keith Miles had literally done thousands of these things. So I asked him, how many of your fellow police officers ever came up to you to say thank you for doing a report? One, and that was Polly. And um, I affectionately referred to him as Polly because I know some of his close friends call him that. You know, um, although we didn't play hockey together or grow up together, uh, he was really reassuring. He was, you know, encompassed what policing should be all about. And right away, you know, we became very, very fast friends and more so with the fraternity of policing my brother. From that single interaction, Officer Miles, who now recruits and trains other officers, got a sense of Paul's potential. There's no doubt in my mind, uh, you know, he was going to make his print on policing. Um, he could have probably done anything else in the world, but he wanted to be a police officer. And if he was still here now, I'm sure he'd be in, you know, our command staff by now. You know, we've we got a very, very small group of officers who have gone from patrol to like command staff, you know, above lieutenant, you know, all the way up. And, um, I definitely, definitely believe that Paul would have been one of those people who were, were able to do that. It's not often that a rookie cop makes an impression on a seasoned veteran. Paul was down to earth. He was a real person. You know, you could tell. You know, here's this guy, you know, like I said, with a hot minute on the job, who was doing things that maybe an officer with 30 years should have done. It immediately stuck out to me when he did that. You know, here's this kid didn't know me from a can of paint, never seen me before, but made certain that he would stop, hold up his day, wait for me to get there, and I got to be truthful with you, I'm usually late. <laughs> so, uh, you know, and, and just stuck around to make sure that he stuck around and let me know how appreciative he was. Of course, Paul also made sure his new friend Keith Miles would be taken care of if he ever needed anything in Bloomfield. He named a couple different places along the street. Hey, this is so-and-so. That's uh, the barbershop guy. 
you know, uh, that's so-and-so, he's a good guy, he's this. If you ever get a call, just tell him you know, tell him you know me, and everything will be good. I'm like, oh, cool. That's, that's what I'll do going forward, you know. Paul's sister, Julia, echoes what Officer Miles said. I mean, hopefully he changed people on the force that knew him. I think, I think he probably did change them to try to make them be more like him. There's only one Paul. And that's a shame because with this kind of situation we have in the world today, it needs millions of Pauls. He didn't do it for recognition. He didn't do it for praise. He didn't do it for like, oh, look at me. He did it because that's what he was supposed to do. And he loved it. There was a judge that came. There were several judges that came to the wake. And and, um, the judge said to my mother, man, your son was going places. He was going places. He wasn't going to stay a police officer for long. And my mother goes, I don't know. I don't know. He was the happiest she has ever seen him be at a job in his life. Lieutenant Chip Baker, one of Paul's training officers while he was in the academy, also knew that Paul's way of connecting with people would serve him well as a police officer. He was very good at talking to people, um, and I got that sense. You don't, you know, when you go to an area and everybody knows you and everybody likes you and everybody wants to talk to you, so it's not, it's not a coincidence. By just doing what came naturally, Paul made a lasting impact on people, even on a 28-year veteran like Officer Keith Miles. Uh, I definitely emulate myself after him professionally. I try and touch Every recruit that comes through, I, I try and build relationships with them. If it's just enough to say hello and goodbye, I try that. You know, not as good as Paul was, but uh, I definitely learned something from that. To do the extraordinary, to go beyond yourself, to do something that you wouldn't normally do. And that's definitely what Paulie did. And I'm always indebted to him for that. Paul had a special way of relating to people. He looked past their current situation and tried to find a way to get them back on the right track. My Aunt Susie tells a story of how he treated someone who was sleeping outside of St. Joseph's Church on Liberty Avenue. Okay, up at St. Joseph's Church. Father John was going from the church back to the rectory, and there was a a man sleeping in between there in in the hallway. And so he called the police. So... Here he told me he told me this story. He said, and he, he said, um, I called the police and Paul came, and he and he said, Paul, you know, you have to do something with him. And he said, okay. And usually someone would take him to jail, well, but Paul, he took him home, and he gave him some money, and he he put him, you know, in the house, and he said, please. You know, I don't want to take you to jail because I know you have problems. He was a military man, and he was suffering from PTSD. So he took him home, and he gave him some money. Father John never knew that this happened until after Paul was killed. He saw this man in the back of church, and he was was dressed real nice. And he told Father, he said, Father, when it come out that, that it was Paul that was killed, he said, because he didn't put me in jail. He took me home and gave me some money to feed myself and that. He said, he didn't put me in jail. He said, when I heard that was him that was killed, he said, the, the least I can do for Paul is to straighten myself out. He said, I went and I got help 
and here I am today. Now, we sat there in disbelief when Father John told us this story, but that's the kind of a person Paul was. I have more stories like that. Like it's, I don't know if he ever put anyone in jail. I believe that Paul didn't go on his shifts wondering who he was going to arrest that day. He went on them wondering who he was going to help that day. He chose to look at the good in people, and by doing that, he changed their lives forever. This is Chip Baker again, telling why Paul requested a transfer to Zone 5, which covers more than a dozen neighborhoods, including Bloomfield, Highland Park, Homewood, Garfield, Morningside, and Stanton Heights. He just said he wanted to, to be a police officer. He wanted to protect his home, his hometown, which was Bloomfield. That's why he wanted to be in Zone 5, is because Bloomfield is part of Zone 5. And so when he was in the north side, he actually transferred back to Zone 5, uh, you know, shortly before April 4th. Dozens of neighbors here in Stanton Heights were awakened by the sound of rapid gunfire this morning. You see it on the news, you see it at other places, but, you know, Pittsburgh and let alone here in Stanton Heights, it's just, uh, definitely shakes you. It's chilling. Stephen Maley, Paul Shulo, and Eric Kelly, gone in a matter of minutes. The largest loss of life in a single day for the Pittsburgh Police Department. Saturday, April 4th, 2009. I woke up to a beautiful spring day. The air was cool, the sky clear blue, and the sun was so bright it hurt your eyes. It was the week before Easter, and I had to take my son Billy to the tailor in Bellevue to pick up his suit for church. Just before we left, I got a text from a family member telling me to watch the news. There was a shooting in Stanton Heights. Paul was working the night shift, and that was one of Zone 5's areas of responsibility. I started texting other people in our family, seeing if anyone had heard anything. More importantly, if anyone had heard from Paul. The silence was deafening. I drove up to the Taylors, and Assumption Church was right across the street. So I took my son's hand and said, let's go in and say some prayers for Paul. I remember sitting there in the quiet solitude of the church, praying, crying, hoping. The less I heard, the more I knew. Please tune in to our next episode when we talk about how our family and the families of the two other police officers were embraced by a city trying to cope with the tragedy, grief, and loss of three brave men who committed their lives to protecting ours. Thanks for listening. There are so many people to thank for making this podcast a possibility. My Aunt Susie and Uncle Max for hooking up the microphone to their computer all by themselves and doing these interviews remotely during a pandemic. Michael Sorg for his expertise in recording the interviews germ-free. Paul's lovely and beautiful sisters, Laura and Julia. Stevie Schillow, also lovely and beautiful. Lieutenant Chip Baker of the Pittsburgh Bureau of Police, who is now part of the family whether he likes it or not. Amy Garrison for jumping back into her broadcast producer days to keep everything on track. 
Dave Hughes for his sage advice and design. Vince Robletto and Ben Pritchard of Garrison Hughes Advertising for the transcriptions and web development. And to Jay Green and Big Science Music, not just for editing, mixing, and producing this for Big Science Pods, but for believing in it and putting their hearts into it. Finally, thank you, Paul, for making a difference in our lives. I'd also like to thank Officer Keith Miles for taking time out of his busy schedule to come to Lot 17 in Bloomfield to talk about Paul. To Norm Conti, professor at Duquesne University, for connecting us to Keith. Thank you to John Leventis, owner of Lot 17, for letting us use the upstairs room to record the interviews. And to my good friend Dickie Nasser and his team at KDKA for providing the news clip from Stanton Heights. Please subscribe to That Was Paul wherever you get your podcasts. And look us up online at thatwaspaul.org.